Welcome to the Isle of Misfits, where we own our awkward, champion the cause of square pegs all across the land, and see things maybe just a little bit differently than whoever those normal people are out there. Do you even know a normal person? I don't know. That maybe that's a topic for another day. Um, anyway, my <laughs> name, my name is Nancy Carmichael, and I am your humble misfit host. And let me tell you. If it's a delightfully awkward experience you're looking for, you have come to the right place, my friend, because I aim to deliver today. We've got a conversation that I've been looking forward to for a long time with a friend that I've had for a long time. In fact, if you've been hanging around these parts for any length of time, you'll know this friend because he's been on the show before. And can you believe it? He still wanted to come back. Uh, his name, <laughs> His name is... Stefan Henderson, I call him Pastor Ray. There's a whole story there. Maybe we'll get into it. But he's a pastor. He's a business leader. He's a writer and a deep thinker in his own right. And I invited him back today, actually, to follow up on a conversation we started several months back. So, hey, I just want to officially welcome you back to the Isle of Misfits, Pastor Ray. Thank you, Nancy. It is a pleasure to visit the island again. And, uh, you know, wherever... Wherever the Spirit leads our conversation, I'm happy to comply. Amen. And we have left the light on for you. Like I said, you know, there are certain people that have, like, nexus passes to and fro. Not that you're a misfit, but we we always appreciate visits from, from people that, you know, that are in their right minds. So... You're what does it take to be a misfit? Is there <laughs> is there an application process, or you know, how does that work? Well, you know, I like to think there's a little misfit in all of us. Actually, I think anyone at any given time in their life might feel like you know it's that square peg syndrome. You know, you walk into a room, you're like, hmm, what's going on here? Do I really fit in with these people? So. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's an honor system, you know, um, and it's a come and go as you please kind of a thing. Mm. Okay. So yeah. I, maybe I can be sort of an honorary misfit. You're an honorary, yes. We'll confer upon you the, the doctorate of honorary. <laughs> <laughs> a PhD in misfitology. Good to be with you. Good to be with you again. Yeah. Yep. Well, we're... I like that. Cool. Well, we, I, I really am thrilled to have you back um, because, you know, if you remember, 10 months ago, it seems like just yesterday, but, you know, like we had said this prior in our pre-conversation to this conversation that, you know, time flies when the world is going crazy. So I can't believe it was 10 months ago. Exactly. I, yeah, I would never have guessed it, but with all of the things that, that have unfolded, yes, it kind of makes sense. It kind of does, yeah, yeah. And something needs to make sense in this world right now. So, And that's kind of sort of why we're talking, because when last we spoke previously on the Isle of Mis Misfits, we were, we were talking a lot about the fear of talking to each other, actually. Because if you remember, you know, we, we kind of had a, I don't know what you would call it, a uh, an inflammatory summer, you know, literally in many respects. Where, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just just hostilities were peaking, and uh, whether it's groups of people or or even in many respects, just how do we do, do? Do we even talk to each other? Can we talk to each other? Because what if I say the wrong thing and then I make someone mad, or I say something that someone disagrees with, or you know, I don't want to be misunderstood, so it's just easier to. Keep your head down, lay low, say nothing, hunker down, and maybe this whole thing will pass over. Exactly. Which we know doesn't happen, but it's 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 always the safer uh, the safer road because you you don't you don't want to offend, you don't want to be a rebel, and you you know you certainly don't don't want to put something out there because once it's out there. You can apologize for it, but you can't ever really take it back. Right. It's out there. Right, so. right. And I think there's there's a real fear with that. You know, it's like, oh, gosh, I don't want to be that person. And um, like you said, it it doesn't really work. Uh, we do it. It's, a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a natural instinct, I think. This, you know, even 
just thinking of this last year of of COVID, right? Shelter in place, mm-hmm. stay inside, yep. stay safe. So, all right, and that's the physical sense of it. It's like, okay, we want to stay safe. And yet, I, I don't know, I tend to see everything is connected anyway because I'm weird that way. But there's implications of an obsession with safety that actually can have a, uh, a d- diminishing returns or a reverse effect, if that makes right. sense. It, it it does, and you know, because I'm a pastor, everything it fits into some sort of a biblical narrative. I mean, the, exactly. The Can make a sermon out of anything. Of the, <laughs> the, the the Good Samaritan story was about two people who played it safe and walked right past the victim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So playing it safe, it 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 probably only makes it safe for you and even that's temporary because the need is still there and so if we had not had someone that that didn't play it safe the only thing we would have is a victim maybe he would have died there maybe somebody else would have helped him but the wrong thing is typically to play it safe and the right thing is is to proceed cautiously. Yeah. So let's let's talk about this playing safe for a moment. Um, let's you know, let's camp here for a second because playing it safe. All right. So obviously we play it safe because we want to be safe and we don't want to put ourselves in danger. So we're not helping the person who is in danger, right? But right. I would kind of contend that we're also not helping ourselves by by obsessing over our own safety and worrying about our self-preservation. We're actually not mm-hmm. doing ourselves any favors either in terms of safety. Exactly. And that's why I said it's only temporary. Yep. Because there's going to come to a point to where you probably need to at least take a position, if not take a stand. Um. If everybody played it safe, we we wouldn't likely have much of a Bible. You know, there'd be nothing to talk about. There'd be nobody to talk about. That's the truth. We can't. We can't. We can't. Can't get through life just playing it safe all the time, because periodically we're going to be the center of attention as long as someone else is the center of attention yeah sure you can you can play it safe but not not long term certainly not indefinitely so um i feel like the 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 best thing to do is you know that to voice your perspective cautiously you know even when we're driving you have red lights yellow lights and green lights green light go yellow light be careful red light stop so when we talk about things whatever our perspective is you know it, it needs to be governed by the safety of proceeding there are rules to proceeding there's rules to communicating and we really need to do our best to abide by those rules Mm-hmm. Okay, so I love your stoplight analogy. Let's go with that for a few minutes because I'm thinking, I'm just visualizing this. Okay, so I think again. So you've got you've got green go. Okay, just full throttle. Just we're going for it. And then you've got the <laughs> screeching halt with the red light. Um, and I think most of us are living between those two those two lights, and we forget we forget that middle one that you talked about. We forget the caution that you know what you can move but let's get our foot off the gas a little bit you don't have to mm-hmm. you don't have to jump on the brakes <laughs> and kill everybody in the car slamming into the windshield <laughs> right. but um so let's talk about that because i think this is exactly where we are how do we proceed cautiously what does that look like it looks like including other people that don't agree with you. Oh, now you're getting into territory. 
You mean I have to talk to people that don't think exactly like me? Absolutely. Oh, come on. Are you serious? Isn't, I mean, but <laughs> when you think about it, isn't that, isn't that how you learn the most? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you only talk about what you already know, you're not learning. Oh, why do you have to say so many wise things? <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's basic truth that we don't typically take into consideration. I had right. a mentor that a couple of years ago, and, and I always, well, I mention this quite often. She didn't even know I was, I, I, I didn't pay the mentorship member fee, but I read all the emails, <laughs> and mm. she said something that I will never forget. She said, what you do know is being held hostage by what you don't know. I'm writing that down right now. The only way, and her name is Marshawn Daniels, so I want to okay. give her credit. Okay, we'll give her credit. Okay. The problem <laughs> is I won't plagiarize her, but I am writing it down. Exactly. And yeah. so when I heard that, it, it, just, it just hit me in the chest like a fist. And so oftentimes when we communicate, when we dialogue, we're so busy promoting what we already know that we don't realize that something we don't know might help with what we already know so that we can share it from a better vantage point next time because we've added information, we've added value, we've added knowledge, and it makes what I do know more useful. Yeah. I have two thoughts. Which one do I want to start with first? Um, one of them is this. I think, I think most people whose ears that little nugget of wisdom just fell on would say, well, of course, I know that, of course, <laughs> right. right? You know, we, we have to listen to other opinions. We have to, that's how we learn. Everybody knows that. And yet, if everybody knows that, why aren't we doing it? Um, so that's my first thought. And then my second thought is, is this, uh, um, and I, I didn't make this up, somebody else did, and I don't even know who to give the credit to, but um, the idea of, Everybody knows something that you don't. Right. So when you're in a conversation, you can learn something from anybody and everybody. And that changes the dynamics of our interactions as well. If we could only remember that. Remembering it is the key. Exactly. Exactly. In conversations, we have to give value to the one we're talking to. And I think a major part of the breakdown is the devaluate the devaluation of people that disagree with me. Ooh, ooh, did, say that again. Say that again, please. The breakdown in communication and dialogue stems from the devaluing of the person that I disagree with. Mm. For some reason, especially in recent years, a disagreement has plummeted where now, you know, you're not just someone that disagrees with me. You are an enemy. Mm -hmm. You are to be hated. You are to be despised and you are to be eliminated. It can, it can, it can really go that far. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. And oh yeah. And, and it does on a regular basis. And so if we could give value to whoever we're talking to or whoever we're dialoguing about, I mean, just basic human value. You know, we, we stand up for pets more than we stand up for people now. And I'm not a mm -hmm. pet hater, but I am a people lover. <laughs> so... If if I devalue you before we even start talking, how can we have a productive dialogue? How indeed. Yeah. I mean, this is all really, really good stuff, and you're so right, and I'm just on the cusp of wanting to take it just a little bit farther and dealing with my own fear because, okay, now, I'm I'm usually guilty of of trying to say too much at one time so i'm going to try to distill it so it makes sense <laughs> to someone more you know beyond just myself 
Um, because, you know, the, the obvious thing between you and me, and we talked about this last year, is, okay, I, I'm white, you're black, so we've got that perspective, two different experiences, just because of the color of our skin and where we grew up. Um, if you zoom out a little bit, like that 30,000-foot view, right, so there's, there's that but then you just touched on something that I think just is so transcendent because it touches on race and it touches on politics and it touches on religion and it touches on socioeconomics and it touches on sexuality and the way we view all of it and gender. And all. You know, we're talking about different worldviews, right? Right. Right. Okay. So here's where it's get, getting scary. It hasn't gotten scary yet. So where it gets scary for me is, okay, everything you said is, is so true. And we can talk from this 30,000-foot view about general principles. But what about... I don't even want to do it because I never name names on my <laughs> podcast or my blog. But I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll make you name names. But um, <laughs> politics, right? So yeah. certain yeah. you say a certain name and all of a sudden, you know, there's the red light or there's the green light <laughs> because, hey, I've got my strong views and you have strong views. And can we even talk about them or do we just have to say, nope, we can't talk about that, and I like you and you like me, and we're just not going to talk? Do you know what I'm saying? I do. I really do. Trust me, I do. <laughs> so um, what do we do? <laughs> I think we talk about it. Again, really? It, it, Are you no, sure? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, we, we, we say so much about the Holy Spirit when it comes to love and joy and peace. But self-control is supposed to be as much evident as the love, joy, and peace. Yeah. Nobody, want, nobody talks about that. No, because so we don't want to go there. I, <laughs> no, if, if, but if, if I'm going to yield even my perspective, my dialogue, my communication, whatever, if I'm going to yield it to the Holy Spirit in the effort of having a productive, God-glorifying, edifying conversation, even when we disagree, self-control has to be a part of it because it, it forces me to value you as a person, which makes me want to hear what your experience is, what your opinion is, and, and, and why you have it, and how does it fit into what we're trying to represent? How does it fit? I mean, am I just, am I just trying to say, hey, you all ought to believe me because, you know, I'm smart, or because I read, or, or should you... Can can I convince you to at least walk in my experience, even if you continue to disagree? What's important? What's important to the dialogue? Why am I having the conversation? Right. It's not to convert you, but it's to it's to add, it's to give you value added information that should influence your future dialogue even from your own perspective of disagreeing okay okay so i like what you're saying i really do and i want to believe in my heart that you're not the only person on the face of the earth <laughs> that feels this way exactly, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes out there especially in social media land you don't get that same sense. I'm just saying somebody posts something that is inflammatory in one direction or the other, right? right? You don't get the sense that you're invited to do what you just said, to say, well, you know, mm -hmm. I actually see it this way. And I've been stupid a time or two or more that I've thought, well, no, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And... It hardly ever ends well. And and the other thing is that I've learned, okay, I'm not getting on anyone's threads anymore because they really don't want to hear another thought. No. Um, but I found that even when I express my own threads, 
people don't like that. <laughs> so it's like, all right. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So I'm just saying, what do we, maybe social media is just not the place for that. I don't know. I'm going to shut up again. I'll come back in. But I, I just want to hear your, your response to that. Well, I, I, I say all, a lot, when you, have, when you have people, and I usually say it in relationship to, you know, um, church fellowship and the gathering of the congregation, when you have people that, that need to be important in public, and whether that public is the church environment or social media, which really is most of the time cowards hiding behind anonymity, so to speak. Uh, when you when you need to be important in public, it's because you don't see yourself as relevant in private. Oh my gosh, that is good. If I'm secure in who I am, I, I don't I don't really care who disagrees with me. I've been ripped to shreds mm -hmm. <laughs> just for commenting on a thread when someone disagrees. I might just simply ask a question or I might just simply add another perspective. And it's like, no, you don't, you don't get to add another perspective. This is my timeline and this is my opinion. And if you don't agree with it, go die. I've literally been ripped to shreds, but mm -hmm. again, you know, hey, Jesus came into his own and his own received him not. The very right. people he wanted to bless are the ones that crucified him. I mean, everything fits into a plan. And so I try my best, I'm not always successful, quite honestly, to not take it personally. Right. But sometimes people really hit below the belt. And I've found that at those times, there's other people that have read my comments or have read the comments of others that got ripped to shreds and say, wow, you know, why do you, why'd you do that? What was so wrong with, with, with what he said? Yeah. So. Yeah. You know. And I've, I've seen that too in social media. You, you know, you have, you have the trolls and then you have the defenders, you know, so you see those dynamics at play. Um, so I, I've, I, so here's the other thing, just being brutally honest here, like, I like to see myself as the reasonable one, right? Like, I might have a different view than somebody, but I certainly, like, I, I'm always aiming to be respectful, I'm always, you know, even in disagreement. I never see myself as the troll. And yet, I don't know if that's how the world <laughs> you know in every situation and you know you can drive yourself crazy with this i mean in the end is you know it's it's between you and god and and you have to to reckon with him but i'm saying this because i think in general we in these kind of conversations and scenarios we always imagine ourselves as the person carrying the torch right right no matter where we're coming from I'm the torchbearer. I'm the one with the truth. And if you disagree with me, then, like you said, at, at the very least, you're on the enemy's side. I might think you're a nice right. person, right? There are plenty of nice people on both sides of the war, uh, but they're still shooting at each other, right? Because that's what you do in right. war. Um, right. <laughs> it's one thing to think the person who disagrees with you is your ideological enemy. It's another thing to see them as evil. Exactly. We've taken it to exactly. another level. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's so it's so subtle. I mean, we're talking about warfare, but to me every aspect of warfare has a spiritual element to it. And the spiritual warfare element to social media warfare is that people believe that they're defending righteousness and if you disagree with with how i promote or defend righteousness that's what makes you evil yep yeah yes just the fact that you disagree with me 
Right. And that's that's how can, how can you be righteous if you disagree with me? With me. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I'm representing God. I'm right. I, I'm a I'm a I'm heaven's deputy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So now I have to admit, I'm waiting for you because I, I've heard you say this before, and I, and I, you know, I've read this myself because I know it's in scripture, right? The thing about Joshua, and whose side are you on, right? So go ahead. I'm gonna let, I'm gonna <laughs> right. let you do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, Joshua was God's man. Yeah. Handpicked and chosen to replace Moses, which was quite a formidable task in itself. And so when the visitor shows up to Joshua's battle, Joshua just asks him, point blank, are you for us or are you for our adversary? And what I love about God is, is he can answer an either or question without taking sides. You know, he can... He can say, he can answer like, if I say, Lord, did I choose you or did you choose me? He can say yes. And our minds can't comprehend those extremes, but God is not limited by our understanding of extremes. So, right. he, so he answers him and says, basically, I'm on God's side. Yep, I've come as captain of the host, so I'm not on neither of y'all's side, because yeah. you've missed the point, yeah. right? It's not about me being on your side, it's whose side are you on? Exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I don't come to take sides, I came to take charge. Yes, oh, that's you have so many good, pithy sayings, yeah, it's too bad people don't do bumper stickers anymore. Yes, I didn't come to take sides, <laughs> I came to take charge. I mean, yeah. Right? So, all right. So, let me... Now, I'm going to push a little further. I don't think I did this last time because this is, again, the way my mind works. So, you've got the truth of that. So, we're not... Yeah, God's not taking our side. We're to take God's side. So, now, this is just the way our human nature is. So, now, we play little games with that. And we say, well, Mm -hmm. I am taking God's side because it's just clear that this is what God cares about. And then we call out <laughs> God's side. Do you know what I'm saying? Have you ever right. seen this happen? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, didn't didn't Saul, before becoming Paul, think he was taking God's side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can make ourselves crazy with this kind of thing and then become, like, you know, relativists and postmodernists and say there's no such thing as truth. Um, I'm not of that mindset, and I don't think you are either. Um, but the thing is, at the end of the day, there is a truth. So how do we know when we're on God's side? How, how do we know? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. You you can't be taking God's side if you hate someone simply because they disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even God doesn't hate the people that disagree with him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so important. It's so important. I mean, he might absolutely hate the idea, right? We, right. But we don't hate people. We don't right. hate people. Yeah, I mean, love. <laughs> That that ha- that has to be the foundation for for anything meaningful to come from it. And if if you value a person, you're not going to see them as evil because they disagree with you. And if you do, then why doesn't the compassion to win them to God take precedent over the or over the determination to win them to me. Well, 
I indeed, because, okay, I'm going to circle back to something we talked about earlier, and I honestly can't remember if it was in our pre-conversation or, the, or you know, um, the official conversation, right. but about taking it personally, right, um, when right. we're talking with other people. So there's two sides to that coin, too, because we get into trouble when we take things personally, right, because we're not listening to the other person and we're internalizing everything they say as though their life experience is an indictment on me and now I've got to defend myself. So that's one, so we take things too personally. But to flip that around, sometimes we don't take it personally enough, or or maybe I should say it this way, the emphasis is on the wrong person, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're taking it personally for ourselves rather than taking it personally on behalf of the person we're engaging with and considering them. Right. Right. I mean, that, that's what stereotypes are born from. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, all right, so how about this? Try this one on for size. So, you know, we're talking about separating ideas from identity, right? Mm-hmm. And, right. I mean, that that's logical, right? People right. are valuable despite or, you know, certainly not because of their... their, their valuable separate from their ideas, separate from what they can do, from their utility or lack of it, right? Because we're all made in God's image. That alone is what gives us value and dignity as human beings. And yet, a dynamic that I have seen creep up in my lifetime is I believe we have a real problem conflating idea with identity. I think people do think that their that their ideas are in union with their identity. In other words, I am this. This idea is who I am. Right. That's a great point. And I agree with you. So what do we do about that? A lot that? of inflation. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it still, in, in my mind, it, it, it comes down to the common denominator of can you value the person that disagrees with you? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. If you, if you can't, I mean, where do you go from there? Right. And if you can, then you're going to you're going to be more interested in their hurt or in their victimization or you know, I mean, someone you value, you you don't want you don't want to see them disenfranchised. You don't want to see them targeted. You don't you know you don't you don't want to see them harmed. And so, it 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 still comes down to how much can you value the person, even when you disagree with their perspective, because you're not even going to hear their perspective. If you don't right. value them, yeah. And once you hear their perspective, you might say, "Wow, I, I had no idea." I mean, a lot of times these conversations, and I thought about this this morning. A lot of times these conversations come down to if <laughs> it's like it's like trying to call a man to be a witness. To how much menstrual cramps hurt. Mm-hmm. If you have no experience, you can't be a witness. And mm-hmm. so the value should come, at least on the surface, from the experience of the witness. I mean, you you can't get you can't get testimony to stand in any court in America if you're not a witness. Because what do you? Yeah, what do you? What could you possibly yeah. have to add? <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, your opinion, theory? but yeah, yeah, you read yeah, it in a yeah. book. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. It's like, so, now you want to talk to somebody who was there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh huh. Valuing a person comes from valuing their experience. How do we find out their experience? I think it's coming down to something that we talked. We did talk about this last time, but. Apparently, none of us can say this enough because, ironically, it's not about saying. It's about 
listening. And that is the thing most of us, including myself, have a really hard time mastering. Especially if we're passionate about the subject. But it still tells us, again, you know, we, we have to remember the spirit. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Oh, and I'm trying so hard to not interrupt you, right? Because in a, <laughs> that means I wouldn't be listening. No, but you're you're so right, and 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 honestly, I am. My 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 thoughts are kind of racing in this direction. So why is it hard to listen? I mean, it's hard to listen. Period. Because that's I think that's our nature, right? But mm-hmm. some of the things that have exacerbated it, we've kind of touched on social media. You know, hey, I'm on social media. I see the value in it. I haven't gotten off of all of it. Um, So obviously I must see some value unless I'm just an addict, which may be the case. But having said that, I think one of the pitfalls of social media is that I, I really think it has depleted our listening skills because, first of all, you're not in conversation with somebody, right? You know, you and I at least are talking, if not face-to-face, at least ear-to-ear. You know, we're hearing each other and uh, tone of voice conveys a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've tried to make up for that with emojis, right? But, um, but, the, but the whole idea of social media, it's more isolated. It's not making a human connection a human interaction it's a screen and you it's can anti-social. Well, yeah 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 <laughs> it's really more anti-social than social you got a lot of people you got you got countless people millions of people who under ordinary circumstances couldn't get anyone to listen to them now they get everyone to know what they think Right, in a sense but I, I like I liken this to the couple times I visited Nashville Everyone's singing. No one's, you know, no one's listening, but everyone's singing, right? So, <laughs> so, but I think social media is the same way. We like to think now we have this platform. Doesn't mean anyone's listening, but it sure feels good to say it, doesn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so you have to sift through so much just meaningless dribble. It, it's, yeah. It's completely meaningless. It, it's, it's, and I won't mention any names. It's trash TV exponentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With with a couple of good, you know, meals here and there. So, and I think right. that's why we stay, right? It's, oh, because no, this was really good and inspirational. And then there's the cute yeah. cat videos and you know the funny TikToks or whatever. But. I bring up social media because I think it has had a huge impact and greater social scientists than myself are extolling the, or whatever the opposite of extolling is, decrying the, you know, the, the bane of our existence. Um, and certainly this past year has only made things worse, right? Because right. now it's just uh, been exponential interactions via social media because we can't be face-to-face. So... The good news is that we seem to be kind of on our way out of this extreme isolationism. We're starting to interact again. We're starting to get out. We're starting to go to, you know, just being places where we can be face-to-face. So that's good news. Yes. And now it brings us back to this, okay, but we've had, we've had 14 months of the deconstruction of communication and now we're going to be face to face what's that going to look like exactly exactly and it's it it is scary it's scary um a number of people may not go back to the more intimate private environments because of the volatility of it yeah, I you mean, know, forget, we'll, yeah. You know, we'll, so, so, we'll disappear at a game or a concert or, you know, somewhere where we don't have to, where we don't have to go beneath the surface. But these beneath the surface environments, I, I believe, are going to be largely avoided. 
Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, forget about fear of disease. I think we're just afraid of each other, honestly. Exactly. Um, you know, and I, I laugh, and yet there really is some truth. Like, I myself just, you know, I, I never know how much TMI to do, but there's always the edit button. So, um, But, you know, I think of myself this past year in so many ways. Like, I, I like people, you know. I like you. I like my family. I like, I love having interactions like this. I really do. Um, at the same time, in some ways, I feel like I've given up on humanity this year. Like, no, you know, the life of a recluse sounds really good right now because I've, I've just, I've just kind of, in some ways, I feel like I've had it. So if for nothing else, in a weird way, this sounds like, you know, the obsession with safety, for my own survival so that I'm not obsessed with, with my safety, I've been forcing myself, and believe me, keywords forcing, to push beyond that because my instinct is like, nope, I, I, I'd rather be safe. But, but a safe mm -hmm. life is kind of a sad life, really. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question. And sure. I was writing it down so I don't forget it because okay. this dialogue carries us to this point. <clears throat> yeah. Name me one meaningful relationship that wasn't risky. I can't name one. They all have a risk, right? They all do. They all do. Every yeah. meaningful relationship is is risky, and right. and especially if you go outside of your household, because you you kind of have to relate to them. Yeah. And yep. so there's this period of familiarity where the risk is the highest. You know, I don't right. know if this person is going to like me. I don't know if I'm going to like them. I mean, there's a couple of things in our common environments that I know we like, but that doesn't mean I'm going to like them. It doesn't mean that they're that they have common um, hobbies or special interests. There's this familiarity curve where the risk is, is greatest. So you got to yeah. fight through that risk to get to the meaningful part of it. And sometimes you fight through it only to find out that this is as good as it's going to get. We're, we're going to be offended. The people that we love will offend us. Right. And guess what? We're also going to be the offender at times. We're going to say something stupid. Exactly. We're going to say something exactly. we didn't mean or we did mean, and then now we have to repent for it, you know. And that is part of the risk. You know, we, I think so much, again, I'm, blame everything on COVID, but I think it's, you know, it's just highlighted. It has exacerbated things that have always been, but now, like me, I'm noticing it more like when you buy a yellow car, right? So what I'm noticing more is how hyper-focused we, we are on mitigating risk. Oh, we've got to eliminate it. We've got to eliminate it. Can't risk is bad. Yep. Risk is bad. I've got to get rid of it. What, you know, maybe risk is part of what makes things valuable, what makes things worthwhile, right? Because it, it costs us something. We want, we want value with no risk. We want meaningful mm. relationships with no risk. We always want maximum, uh, maximum value with minimum input. Mm. That's just that's just never going to happen in a relationship. It's just not. No, and I'm glad that it's not because think about that's what right. Jesus did for us, right? I mean, we were the ultimate risk. He risked everything so that we could be in relationship with him. He didn't have to do it, right? He needed right. nothing, and yet he did. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And by the way, we, we are that joy? <laughs> you know, that exactly. I, every time I think about that, it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> We're as good as we get. Us. Yeah. <laughs> Like, okay, God, if you think so. and But, I mean, it, really, it's stunning. It's staggering, and it's stunning that Jesus could do this for us. So perhaps we could do this with each other. And, okay, so here's where I'm going to get a little, I don't know. I don't think it's incredibly deep, but this is just where my mind goes. So, okay. Mm -hmm. I don't think we can do this by just trying to be like Jesus. 
I don't. I don't. I don't think we can. No. Mm-mm. We have to do like Paul said. I became all things to all people, so that I can by all means win. He didn't say win all of them. <laughs> win some. If, if, right. if, I can't, if I can't see myself in your shoes, I am limited in my relationship with you. I, I'm limited into how meaningful our relationship can be. Yeah. He, became, he didn't just care about us. He became us. He can right. do and this from heaven. So he became us so that we really, this is, I think, the point that I'm getting to, and I'm speaking for myself, and I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are Christians already, but I know there are some who aren't, so they're going to think I'm dissing them. But this is, because I'm a Christian, this is what I believe. I often give a math book analogy. I'm sorry, I only have so many, but my math book analogy is in grade school, at the end of your math book were all the answers to all the problems, right? And anytime you wanted, you could go and look at the answer. So you knew the right answer, you didn't know how to get there, right? And so here's what I'm saying about this. Everything that you're saying is so true. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. Uh, Listen to them. Value them. Separate them from their ideas. Um, Those are the right answers. But I'm convinced that we really cannot walk in that fully apart from the fact of, for me, that Jesus Christ lives in me. <laughs> that, that it is actually, I, the Bible says I live and move and, and have my being right. in him. Um, so it doesn't mean that if you don't believe that, that you, you can't aspire to that. I'm just saying as a Christian, I think that's my, that's my hope that this is actually possible. Oh, Absolutely. It's going to be further limited because you are not, I mean, anything that you're not connected to is going to limit your effectiveness. I mean, we can can say that um, as far as a board is concerned. You know, if I'm, if I'm a member of three boards, then, then I have influence for effectiveness in more areas than I was than if I was a member of no boards. You know, I want to make this really simple. And the more that you are connected, the more you have access to. If you're connected to God, then you you have more access. You you can relate in a completely different way. So it's not an insult. It's just a reality. And there's hope and. And and I think, you know, no matter where you are, whoever's listening, it, there, there's still hope in knowing that it is not impossible. These things, yeah, they're hard. It's very hard. I don't care who you are, I don't, you know, Christian or not. It's hard to not think about yourself all the time. It's just, it's, exactly. you know, it, it's our... <laughs> You know, exactly. it's the nature of fallen humanity. But the good news is there's there's a restoration that is available to us to be fully human, not just, you know, fallen human. And and to relate to each other, you know, because, again, skin color. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's so many issues there. So many things at odds. Um, but it's 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 more than that. It's having worldviews that ultimately drive us together or pull us apart but at the source of it 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 just comes down to i think what you said so beautifully it's who are we focusing on you know am i focusing on me or am i focusing on the other person you know is the world all of it does it revolve around me and my views or am i here for a greater purpose yeah and and it, it it can sound pretty therapy and 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 all of these things but it 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 affects every every aspect of life. I mean, we're we're out there. You know, we're we're still here. We we're we're going to influence or we're going to be influenced on a daily basis. And um, I want to ask you another question. Okay. In your opinion, what do you what do you see as the greatest? right now the greatest sin besides I I think it's self-absorption and I know this intimately 
I think Very. it's personally, but I, I also think it is the greatest sin because I think it begets all others is, is putting myself in the center of the universe. Wow. You know, I was, I, I have a, a different but similar answer. I, it may mm-hmm. actually be mm-hmm. the same. I was going to mm-hmm. say self-righteousness. Mm. Right. Because you're right or, you, or I'm right, right? If I'm self-righteous, I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm right in and of myself. Yeah, because yeah. I, I have people yeah. tell me with, you know, with no reservations, you can't be a, you know, and here we go, conservative, liberal, you can't be a liberal pastor and mm-hmm. stand up for God. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. And I say, well... I don't think I'm liberal. I think mm-hmm. I'm biblical. And and it's not a matter of taking sides. It's a matter of examining both sides and calling out what's right. Not as opposed to left, but as opposed to wrong. Right. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hear you. <laughs> and calling out what's wrong. Both sides are often right and often wrong. At the same time, yep. Yeah. Yep. So I don't see myself as liberal versus conservative. I see myself as wrong versus right, and I don't care which flag is flying. Mm -hmm. I would would just as easily... in my party as I would call out something wrong within another party. And too often we position ourselves where we have to defend everything that's going on in our party, right or wrong. And that, yeah. that just can't be. It just can't be. Yeah, okay. So let, let me ask you this because, you know, I, again, I like to think, and I'm, I'm saying it that way on purpose, because I, I do think so, but I, if I'm honest, I like to think that I have a similar approach, that I'm more interested in what is biblical rather than what is conservative or liberal or Republican or Democrat. Um, I, I also know I can't deny we all have a worldview um, that that just gets you know influenced by so many things so i'm trying to navigate through all of that but one thing well i said i was going to ask you so i'm getting to the question when it comes to calling out things that are quote unquote on your own side like calling out inconsistency hypocrisy whatever what kind of response do you get from your side when I call it out on on my side, yeah, yeah, I get I get both. I get um, quite honestly, I get both. I I get more of um, rebuke than I get support, but I get both. Yeah. You know, I get people that that say, "Wow, you know, that took courage, or that took whatever, whatever," and um, and then I get I get more of the wow, why would you, you know, that's not You're how... You're being you, disloyal. You know, yes. It, it becomes, yeah. You're falling out of line. I'm a traitor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yep. a traitor all of a sudden. Right. And, right. and it becomes we, you know. Yeah. What right. do you mean, when did we become we? My right. my right. Christ is bigger than my party affiliation. My Christ right. is bigger than liberal versus conservative. Wrong is wrong. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he commi- Christ commended Peter. You are, you know, um, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. He turned around later and said, get behind me, Satan. Yep. So, yeah, it isn't one size fits all, right? But I, I think this, the word monolith comes to mind, right? We're so monolithic right. in the way we view everything, like as if 
all white people think this way or all black people think this way or all conservatives or all gay people like if you're in this group then you must think this way and the truth is it doesn't work that way but it's just much more convenient to view everybody that way so I asked you that because I've I've gotten a similar uh, yeah I've a similar response you know like when I call out nobody likes me right and people that think um, opposite <laughs> of me don't like me and the people who are supposed to agree with me they don't like me either because for the same reason it's like shut up you're not helping the cause but 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 you, you know so. And I like to think you and I are not the exceptions, right? We can't be. We can't be the only people. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, Elijah thought he was. Yeah. And even when the disciples wanted to shut people down because they didn't walk with them, he said, alone, leave them alone. I have sheep that are not from this fold. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that. They're just as much my sheep as you are. Leave them alone. Yeah, if only we could just kind of scratch the surface, really, you know, uh, you know what I'm saying, and, and just find out, well, okay, what's really going on? Here? Not just what it, not just what fits into my category, not just what fits the stereotype that I have, but no, what do you really think? And it goes back to again, it's always going to come back to this: listening, listening. Yeah. And value it. And you can't really listen unless you value that person, unless you can separate them from whatever utility you think they have, from whatever ideas that they identify with that are separate from their identity as a person made in the image of God. So, Pastor Ray, I, I'm going to ask you a question now, and it's kind of an iteration, a reiteration mm-hmm. of the question that I that I asked you the last time we talked, but it's 10 months later, so, and maybe you don't even remember the question, but what I want to ask you, and I, I kind of want to land here, because I've talked a lot, and, and I hope I've listened a little bit, but I want to hear from your perspective, from whatever hat you wear, or walk of life that, you know, whatever, just for, for who you are, and what you've experienced, even this last 10 months, this last year, what's something you want me to know or or someone who knows you but doesn't know you as well as you want them to what do you want them to know about your experience that you think is important when they're interacting with you well um what i want people to know is that <clears throat> i don't have to become what I've gone through. I still have a choice. And, you know, that that's one of the greatest things about Christianity. I, I, I recently taught a Bible study that really was controversial because I, it was really, I was trying to tell them the difference between telling a lie in being a liar. I was trying to diff, tell them the difference between, you know, I, I, asked, I asked them, was, was David an adulterer? And almost hands down, they all said yes. And I said, well, if David was an adulterer, he has to go to the lake of fire because Revelation says that all adulterers, mm-hmm. idolaters, liars, and, and so right. on. Right. Will have their part. Yeah. yeah, but did he commit adultery is what you're saying, right? It's different right. than an identity. Exactly. Yeah. And they, they just I mean, it it just it just floored their whole theology. And I and I said to them that it comes down to the nature you have. A a, a believer that that tells a lie is not a liar. He's a believer that told a lie. That's right. That's right. And so what I I want people to know about me, about themselves, and and really just about all humanity, because there have been times where we have literally been victims 
but you don't you don't you don't have to become what happened to you you don't have to become even what you did you know you 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 can respond with a better option you you can take what happened to you into account and know that just because it's a part of your past it doesn't have to direct your future i'm i'm in the process of opening up a counseling practice and what i love about this practice is is it's called paracletos um therapy and it's based on the works of the holy spirit and it's it's actually certified in every state in the country people don't know that and one thing i want to put on my wall for everyone to see and it simply says congratulations you have already survived the worst thing that ever happened to you mm. and if we could it's just powerful. oh and, and, and if we could just live in that reality that says why am i going to stay in prison to something that i survived right it doesn't have to define me. It doesn't have to shape me. It doesn't even have to um, influence me negatively. It ought to motivate me positively. And everybody that you will ever interact with has already survived the worst thing that ever happened to them. Yep. yep. But are they living like it? There's hope in that. There's such right. hope in that statement. And it doesn't dismiss the hurt. You know, last time we talked, um, I think the the question I asked, it was a little broader. It was, you know, what do you want to know? Because it was in the height of, you know, the just the the, the tension with uh, race and the hurt there. And, and I believe you said something to the, to the, to the effect of, um, we just want to know that you care that we're hurt. <laughs> it was something mm -hmm. along those lines. And, right. and, and that's important too, right? It's important. So I don't know that I had a chance to say that last time, but I just want to tell you that I'm sorry for the ways that you've been hurt, as, whether as a as a person of color, as a pastor, because I know pastors get lots of you know lots of hurt and thrown your way. Just as a person, for, for times people have just been jerks and mean and cruel. I'm sorry. I really am sorry for the ways that you've been hurt. And that means that means a lot. And I think that it's important for us, the us being those who want to express their hurt, to apologize as well. You know, um, for thinking that everyone <laughs> that looks like you hurt me. No. Mm. Or, or reacting as though everyone that looks like you hurt me or thinks like you hurt me. You know, I'm not, I'm, I, I just want to express my pain in a way that even the expression of it is therapeutic. And, and when, it, when it lands on a person of compassion, enough for them to say that, that they're sorry, it, it makes me want to apologize as well for, you know, the times I may have misrepresented it too emotionally or, or too angrily or, you know, justified something that's inexcusable. You know, being a victim doesn't justify inexcusable things. And so, and I'm not trying to do it on behalf of everybody that looks yeah. like me, but yeah. for me, I, I too want to, apologize for any misrepresentations that I may have had in my expressions of victimization. Oh my gosh. And, you know, Pastor, I just have to tell you, like, I would just say, oh, no, that's not necessary. And it really, it really isn't because you've never done anything that's been hurtful to me. But to <laughs> To say that, to say, it's like, I think that in itself just breaks down so many barriers because I honestly, honestly think people are afraid to do it because if, I, oh my gosh, if I say I'm sorry, 
oh, I'm just open up a floodgate. Am I going to owe you money? Am I going? You know, you know what I mean. And it's like, or 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 is it just going to you know the, this endless berating? Um, but you just said it again. This is about people. It's not about we can't. I can't speak for all people that look like me as an Irish Estonian person. I don't even know if there's another Irish Estonian person on the face of the earth that I'm not related to. But I mean. I don't represent everybody who looks like me. And I know you don't represent everyone who looks like you. Right. It's just an easy it's just an easy categor- categorization to make. And yet we're talking about people. We're, that's that's what it comes down to, valuing people and breaking past these fears and these barriers of oh gosh, w- what if I say it the wrong way? So I just I just want to let you know, I just appreciate you so much. I love the fact that you're willing to talk with me, and I love the depth of these conversations. I do too. I mean, and on one hand, it's always risky, but it's a risk yeah. in search of of a deeper, meaningful, fruitful relationship, and that that makes it worth the risk. Yeah. Yeah, so I hope that this has been helpful. Hey, I'm just going to assume it's been it's helpful for whoever's listening, but I know it's helping me. So not that you know, not to make it all about me because I said that was the greatest sin. Um, but <laughs> but um, I so I just so appreciate it, and and so I just uh, let's just wrap it up. But this uh, Paracletos therapy that you're talking about, how can someone get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about that? Oh. Um there is a website, um, the Paracletos Institute. Let me just look it up. I believe it's dot org. I will look it up very closely. Um, okay. And I'll put I it in know, the show notes as well. I know the founder personally, a brilliant, uh, a brilliant woman of God named Dr. Laomi Bliss. And I am correct. It is www.paracletosinstitute.org. Great. Okay. And like I said, I'll get that in the show notes. And um, once again, thank you so much uh, for for sharing that bit of information. I think that could be really helpful to a lot of people. But thank you for sharing yourself. Thank you for for risking this conversation with me. And thank you for our long-standing even though it's long distance, but but for our long our long-standing friendship. I just so appreciate you. I appreciate you too, Nancy. And anytime um we can share whether it's on the air, off the air. I mean, it 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 adds value to to me as well. And so um it's again it's 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 worth the risk and and each time the risk diminishes even more that's right that's right amen brother well thanks thanks so much you're welcome so here's a little homework for you yeah i'm assigning homework how do you like that talk to someone who doesn't see the world exactly the same way as you do and know Facebook doesn't count. I'm talking face-to-face, or at least ear-to-ear. Does anyone talk on the phone anymore besides me? Anyway, seek someone out. Not just someone who looks different. I'm talking about someone who thinks differently. It's not the same thing. And yeah, it may be scary. And yeah, you might not agree with everything they have to say. But maybe... Just maybe you'll learn something that you didn't know before. And if nothing else, you'll get the chance to listen. And then if you're really feeling brave, I would love to hear how it went. And you can let me know by contacting me at the theisleofmisfits.com. That's I-S-L-E of misfits.com. I have a contact page. You can find it. I really would love to hear from you. And I would love for you to subscribe to these podcasts and read the blogs and just own your awkward and love your fellow misfit and seek beauty and seek truth wherever it is because there's a lot of it out there and sometimes we just have to seek it out.